You're smart. Your TV is smart. That's why you cut the cord. But you need one more thing. Alaska's news source. Watch live or when it's convenient for you. Here's how. Just search Alaska's news source on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, or Android TV. Install and enjoy. It's completely free and has everything you need in one spot. Breaking news. Statewide weather. In-depth investigations. Start streaming Alaska's news source live today. Alaska's Political Pipeline. I am David Burnkoff. You are Rebecca Polsha. And we are here to talk about a whole bunch of political developments, including a big one this week. Such a big week. Although the congressional election is (laughs) still just about a year away, we now have a new candidate. The lieutenant governor, Nancy Dahlstrom, has joined the race with the incumbent Mary Peltola and the uh, other Republican, Nick Begich, who probably wasn't too happy to see a second Republican <laughs> join know. the race. I As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Nick Begich. <sighs> what do we know about Nancy Dahlstrom? I, when I was in Juneau, I covered Nancy was in um, the legislature. Um, she's, she, uh, you know, she's, a tough, she's a tough person, but fair. And so it'll be interesting to see how this race shapes up. I, I can imagine... Her and Nick, though, stealing votes from each other. We'll see how this one plays out. And because it's ranked choice, mm-hmm. once again, we'll have a situation where unless, uh, I guess, one of them could get to 50%, which mm-hmm. is possible, maybe Mary Peltola um, could get over the 50% mark in the first round as an incumbent. We'll see. It's, you know, we've never had a Democratic incumbent run in a ranked choice system. So... Who knows what will happen? One thing I will say, I'll ask you, I will not say. (laughs) Okay. It seems to me, and I'm asking your opinion, that Uh neither Begich nor Dahlstrom are as polarizing a figure as Sarah Palin. No. No, no, absolutely not. So maybe what happened last time, which was a lot of, of Republican voters not making a second choice wouldn't happen this time. I would think that, you know, they're pretty, you think of both of them as, as mainstream, not people, they, they're not polarizing. They're not Sarah Palin's. Um, I think of them as, as like just, I don't know. Regular old Regular Republicans. old Republicans. <laughs> so that'll change that dynamic, I'm yeah. sure. Uh, and we have a year to go. And we'll see what we see. But we will have ranked choice voting next time, no matter what happens with efforts to get it on the ballot to possibly remove it. That could also be something that voters choose once again in the next election, but it would not affect the next election's mm-hmm. uh, system. That it would, If it were to be killed, it would take effect in the following election cycle. We also now have less than six months to go until a mayoral election. Can you believe that? It's like we just did this yesterday. Crazy. It is. Well, what's also crazy is signs started popping up around town last (laughs) Uh week uh, that are critical of the mayor. And I think they say incompetence has a price. Has its price, yeah. And a big picture of the mayor. And we were curious... By law, there has to be an identification 
although the identification was very tiny on those signs, but they did have a <laughs> QR code. And, and you go to the QR code. It's 907 initiative. <laughs> not a surprise there. Yeah. You expected that, and that's who's behind those signs. And, um, you know, the, the issue of snow removal. There were, the placement of them was, it was, it was a little funny. Like, because <laughs> the first time I saw one, it was uh, driving downtown to pass the guy, this is guy downtown, and it says incompetence has its price, and then there's snow everywhere because it happened, you know, around this time of the snow that we got this past week. And there's one in my neighborhood, which I was surprised by. It is inevitable that snow removal is an important issue. We talked about oh, this yeah. a year ago. And Don't mess up snow, snow plows. Right. If you're the mayor, you're going to get blamed whether you deserve it or not. The mayor's uh, explanation of why neighborhood streets were not cleared according to the original plan is that he decided that the state was not doing a good job on really important routes and that like sea and northern lights yeah and, and you just he had to change the plan because and, they and and they were a mess they were a mess for several days with those bumpity bumpity things and my friend michelle wrote a p article about uh cars being broken and just windows being smashed from driving around town. That's crazy. No, the mayor made a point that emergency vehicles going over those bumps and uh, in those conditions, that was not safe. Mm -hmm. And it made me think, can you imagine an emergency, an ambulance returning oh, with I a know. call with somebody in the back and having to cross one of those streets? Uh-huh. Plus, you're getting, you were getting, at least I was, I was getting, I was going like 15 and getting thrown all over the place. And I got like a nice SUV and... For this guy from the lower 48, I mean, I've lived in snowy places, Chicago, Pittsburgh. I have never experienced anything like those icebergs in the middle of C Street. They were annoying. They were a hot mess. They were a mess. So that was the, the mayor's answer. And they're now making progress on uh, cleaning residential streets. However, that doesn't mean that answer will sit well with... Well, voters. that, you know, he had said, he told our reporter, Lauren, he'd make that same decision again. And, and what was interesting, I thought about this, was because those snowplows were supposed to be cleaning out the neighborhoods, schools got canceled because the buses could not get into the neighborhood. They had to be like 80% done. But then he had a jab at the school district about not opening up when his choice, whether it was right or wrong or safe or, or not, um, impacted the school district. So it was, it was a weird take a jab at somebody when your actions contributed to their not being able to have schools. Right. That doesn't mean he was right or wrong because, again, those roads were terrible and it was a security and safety issue right. to not have police vehicles be able to drive at a normal speed. But after he expressed his disappointment at the school district just yesterday, as we record this on Friday, uh, the school superintendent fired his own little shot back at the mayor. Which is a first for him because they they have, you know, traditionally been the uh, uh, the higher road. And even in their first release, we're like, we, we are working closely with the MOA. And then they got that jab from Bronson about schools not being open. And he came back, uh, Superintendent Bryant came back pretty strong. Yeah, he said, the mayor wanted us to open on Wednesday. We had all our buses either late or get stuck on Thursday. Mm -hmm. We could barely open on Thursday. What are you talking about Wednesday? Yeah. So it was a pretty direct response and one 
some might characterize it as defensive. Some might characterize it as uh, very direct. Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, no love lost on that issue. And in the meantime, as of Friday, finally every school is now open, mm -hmm. although that doesn't mean it's easy for anybody to get to the schools or that their kids are arriving necessarily on time every day, but the schools are open. Yeah. One of my one of my kids takes the school bus and hasn't had problems, but the other one walks to school and you know, we still are waiting for the sidewalks to be cleared and people and you know you, you and I were out driving yesterday and people are still walking in the roads and because the sidewalks aren't done. It the roads concern me because it's in these conditions it's hard to stop in a hurry obviously mm -hmm. and if someone steps out into the road or is in the road as you're rounding a turn and you don't see them until too late you can try Oof. to stop but holy cow it's Oof. hard yeah. in these conditions so let us hope that the roads and the sidewalks do get fully clear and that people don't have to walk in them we did get a note today about one of the mayor's opponents in the election, Suzanne LaFrance, is mm -hmm. announcing her snow removal plan. So she is jumping on this politically. Obviously, she sees that as helpful, and maybe she's right. And I also saw that another opponent, Chris Tuck, put a video up. Oh, yeah, of him clearing Bronson's neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's clever. It's funny. funny. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think... That the mayor needed, probably didn't need him to clear his street, uh -huh. but, you know, it got him some attention. So, success in that, in that <laughs> regard. Uh, I want to talk about homelessness again for a moment, because this was the week that the whole nation, and in fact, the world, started to pay attention to our homeless situation. Which is super interesting, and it just seems late to the yeah. game, but... Uh, Whatever. The, the death of four more people mm -hmm. um, listed as outdoor deaths seemed to be the spark because the Daily News did a story on it. We did a story on it. Then the New York Times picked it up and did mm -hmm. a big takeout, which led to the New York Post doing a story. Then the Guardian in Britain, one of the biggest papers there, did a story. CBS did a story. A lot of people covered the story, essentially the same story. However... There was one thing that caught my eye, and there was a mistake that was repeated in all of these stories. So I think it's hmm. valuable to go back over. All of these stories uh, went back and touched on Mayor Bronson's uh, plan to pay for plane tickets for people mm -hmm. leaving the state. Mm -hmm. And they all said some version of, that plan either wasn't funded or died or faded away. And mm. we know that's, that's not true. That's not true. Because we did yeah. a story on this. And what <laughs> yeah. did we find out? Oh, yeah, because that money went to the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army has a program that does connect people back to um, some type of hometown, whether it's in Alaska or out of state. And I think at the time, they had the majority of them had been in, sent to Oklahoma and Washington State, and I believe a few in Texas and Oregon, and one in North Carolina, which I thought was fun, was strange. Um, but that money sent people home, and it isn't, it isn't flippant, like, just get on a plane and get out of here. The, it's a whole program the Salvation Army has where you have to have connections in a place. They have to speak to your connections in places. It isn't like you're just dropped off and say like i'd like to go to hawaii because it's beautiful but you have to have family there people who are who 
will promise to connect with you and help you. Right. The mayor, when he gave his comments first on a radio station and then to us for an interview, he, you could be, it's understandable if you yes. misunderstood that and thought that what he was saying was anyone who wants a plane ticket can go. Yeah. But in fact, the Salvation Army has a whole system to make sure that there's something there for you where you want to go. Yeah. And this is, in, in, in the reporting for this story, we found this is pretty common in most states. A lot of states, Hawaii sends people out of Hawaii. Um, I think one of our homeless people who died had been sent back here from another state. So it's, a, it's not a new process. I think the way the mayor delivered it made it sound simple and easy and get on a plane. Anybody can get a plane ticket, whatever. Right. But, it, you know, it wasn't that easy. But it was interesting to see that um, mistake perpetuated through several stories. Finally, finally, uh, it's our understanding that warming stations are going to be created mm -hmm. as we have run out largely run out of winter shelter spaces. That issue remains. There are still hundreds of people who would like to be in a shelter who don't seem to generally want to be in a congregate shelter mm -hmm. like what is in the old um, sanitation facility, but they're adding 50 more beds, or they have added 50 more beds there, which will take that to 200. Um, but how you handle with temperatures now heading down towards zero, mm, yeah. hundreds of people who are outside, this is, I don't know, it, maybe it's an impossible problem to solve, but I don't know how you can walk around or drive around and not be scared by what may happen in these temperatures with it's, so many people who can't find a place to stay. It's going to be nasty. Looking at look at the weather forecast from last night when Jackie was going over it, and I just saw that drop in temperatures, and you see like one and four, you know, and you forget like thirty starts to feel pretty normal, and then but once you start getting those single digits, it's like Fairbanks in weather. Yeah, and what we saw in one of these deaths was someone who had a fire inside their mm -hmm. tent, and that's not a safe situation. And another Those death, propane tank, tanks are so common. Yeah, and another death that we talked to somebody who knew the gentleman who died, he was out on, on the street, and um, it is suspected that he was drinking, and that's not a good situation. Mm -hmm. When it gets as cold as it was last week, it's a worse situation when it gets down to zero because mm -hmm. uh, some people are going to be made unhealthy, ill, it doesn't, it's not just about people dying, it's about potential frostbite, hypothermia, all sorts of health mm -hmm. consequences short of death that are very hard for us to even track. It's funny because even, it was the most apt description I've heard for a while about cold. And Jackie Purcell was talking about the temperatures dropping and she had said it burns. And I thought, well, that's absolutely what it feels like. It feels like that cold burns. And just not escaping that is scary. Well, we've got, I guess, about three or four days of super cold weather, and then it will warm up, uh, not by my standards, but by standards <laughs> around here. It'll warm back into the 30s, I guess, next week. Mm -hmm. That's still tough for people to be out in tents. And we'll see what happens with the extra beds that have come online with a warming station that's supposed to open up, and hopefully people will make it through this 
That's, of course, something we'll keep an eye on. And I hate to end on that kind of uh, depressing note. So here's, we can end this totally on a lighter note. And that is about we all should be embracing winter and accepting that we have months ahead and start making what I have started making, which is an ice tower. And I have used all kinds of little things like uh, a bunt pan and different pans and you put food coloring in it and you just build yourself. Food coloring with water. Food coloring with water. Yeah. Otherwise you're just Or you can put flowers in it, whatever you want just to make it decorative and just keep growing a tower of ice and color all winter. You just pile these things up in your yard. Yep. Last year I did it and it was super haphazard of all different types of shapes and this year I'm making them look like bricks. And your community likes this. Oh, my children do not like this. They say it looks crazy, <laughs> but we are going to continue to do this. But others like it. Others like it, hopefully. Well, <laughs> I hope your kids can get through this <laughs> second winter with the ice sculptures. Uh-huh. And if people go to their grocery stores and find a run on food coloring, you will know uh, where it started. Exactly. It started right here with... <laughs> ice Towers. Ice Towers. Thanks for listening. We'll... See you again soon.